Hello, welcome to today's episode. I was going to say something really cool, like this is the first episode recording in my new studio, uh, also known as my office, and I've swapped a busy main road and traffic and sirens that I know you've heard in past episodes for lots of wildlife. (laughs) Quite the change for everybody. So enjoy that background uh, sound of birds. Welcome to Australia. So whilst I was studying nutrition at uni, it was the, the first time I became conscious of the term health at every size. And it was a qualified dietitian who was a colleague of mine that shared this term with me. I really didn't look much into it beyond that. And as much as I can remember of my coursework, there was a lot of coursework during the four years I was at university studying nutrition, uh, I'm pretty sure it didn't come up. But there were lots and lots and lots of so-called truths and what I now really can see were accepted ideas that we've all had about weight, about bodies, about health. And I've talked about this on the pod before. I talked about it, in fact, in my very first episode. And so what I really saw at uni was how regurgitated these ideas were. Uh, and now on reflection, even more so how rarely challenged those ideas were and that my degree kind of kept propagating that it churned it out. So for instance, fat equals bad, fat equals death. Weight gain is always a problem. Weight loss is always great. They were absolutely unequivocally, unequivocally, yeah, (laughs) they were not challenged ideas is what I'm trying to say. And again, I know we've heard these ideas our whole lives, whether you're brand new to this podcast, whether you've listened to every episode up to here at 38, you know, the best way that I can describe what I experienced during my nutrition degree is that these ideas were just a given. So diabetes is caused by fatness, right? Heart attacks happen because of fatness. Fatness is unhealthy. Never mind the fact that like smaller body people have diabetes and die of heart attacks. That 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 didn't come into play. And it's it's not that the words that I just said were explicitly spoken. I I never heard at university heart attacks happen because of fatness. No one ever said that. But they were assumed by every single one of us. And therefore we took those assumptions with us into every interaction from one class to the next class, from one case to the next case. And I have a very clear picture that I want to paint of this for you. This is like, so it's just so the irony is just so lost on every single one of us in that degree and in that college and in that, you know, nutrition subject, we were in a class titled weight management. That was what the class was called. It went for three and a half months And there was a day, just one day, that we explored the impact of weight stigma. So let me just like be really clear here. This was a class for future health professionals. We were all studying some realm of health profession. We were exploring the harm of weight stigma in one three-hour class. That's it. It was just a three-hour class. And it was taught by a thin white woman to a bunch of mostly thin white women. And not one of us thought this was ridiculous, myself included. We were talking about, if it, just in the very simplest terms, weight stigma and its harm, which was, was written in black and white and backed up by countless evidence, 
but we were learning about it in a weight management class that inherently says weight is something to be managed, that weight is inherently something to control. Therefore, some are better and some are worse. What? And and there is that other layer that I've, I've kind of indicated that this class was taught and received, again, myself included here, by people who didn't have lived experience of this harm. It was just words on a page. It wasn't really that impactful to me, if I'm being completely honest. Why would it have been? And then the next class, we were right back into the pros and cons of the Michelle Bridges eight-week transformation versus Weight Watchers. And no, I'm not kidding. So fast forward to 2018. It was my final semester at uni. Goodness, I'm glad that's over. (laughs) And every single human that I was seeing in my student clinic Regardless of the reason that they were there, they all had like a really common story. And that was, I can't lose weight or I can't keep off weight. And the other shared experience that they had was how much of an impact this was having on their lives. You know, they sat in front of me in this, you know, if you've ever been to a student clinic, they're very weird places. They're very necessary and great in some ways, but they're very weird. There's other students watching you. There's a, a, supervisor comes in and out. It's it's all weird, right? I imagine extra weird for the person that's bearing their soul. And these people would share like really heartbreaking emotion that my inexperienced self never imagined I would be sitting and doing because I didn't even think I wanted to do clinical practice. Wow. The joke was on me. And I really had no fucking idea what I was doing. I didn't know what it was like to sit with someone sharing that story, struggling with their weight I was like, I thought I was here to talk about like adding fiber to people's diets. But the thing is, I really wanted to know how to help. I wanted to know how to sit with that. And the lived experience of my clients from way back in student clinic four and a half years ago to now has made me a better healthcare provider. Absolutely. Hands down. It's the number one thing that has made me a better healthcare provider. I believe my clients I listen to my clients. It, their experiences have made me seek more answers because I've been thinking, hold on, what? How is this possible? Like, what is going on here? It's made me think more critically. It's made me understand things even more. And again, as I've shared before on the pod, this is what led me to really starting to pick apart what we historically have been taught, all of us, about weight, about bodies, about health. And that's the great unlearning that began and is continuing today. It's also how I personally and professionally, again, all those years later, came came around to the health at every size term um, or haze, as I'm going to refer to it in this episode, which I want to be clear are both registered trademarks of the Association of Size, Diversity and Health. So pretty much I came back around to that term at exactly the same point that I was coming into the intuitive eating and like non-diet frameworks of nutrition. So in some ways that was fantastic. It was really helpful, but I'm going to come back to the fact that it actually kept me away from other things I couldn't see at the time that I've now come to see. I'm Nadia Felsch, nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor. In this podcast, we explore the practical aspects of leaving the diet mentality behind and finding your own food and body freedom. So in this episode, this is actually going to be part one of what you need to know about haze, health at every size, and I'm going to cover it into three sections or break it up into three sections. So first part, what what is haze? 
Uh, and then the second part, what is not haze, you know, including some common misunderstandings that folks share with me about haze. The final section will focus on the shortcomings of haze. So let's kick off with part one, section one, part one, all the ones. What the fuck is haze? So health at every size or haze is a size inclusive approach to working with clients. So this is in direct opposition to the weight centric approach that you and I, we are all very used to the one that I was trained in as well, but haze is also a movement. So in the words of, again, the association for size, diversity, and health also called ASDA, haze is a movement working to promote size acceptance, to end weight discrimination, and to lessen the cultural obsession with weight loss and thinness. There are currently five guiding principles of Haze, and they are weight inclusivity, health enhancement, eating for well-being, respectful care, and life-enhancing movement. So I thought the best way to get into this was actually to show you how this, this happens in my work and kind of compare it to the weight-centric norm that we have both in nutrition and healthcare as a whole. So let's talk about all fake clients, all made up clients. Let's talk about my client, Becky, wants to improve her food relationship and she wants to stop binge eating or reduce binge eating. So we start that valuable work together. Now we do not focus on Becky's body weight. We do not use her body weight as a measure of how successful our work has been together or our outcomes of our work. So Put another way, we actually just focus on her food relationship. We focus on her eating experiences and there is no expectation of weight loss and we do not, again, use weight as a measure of progress. So that's one example. In another example, okay, I've got Becky working with me. She wants to feel fitter. She wants to find a way to eat that feels supportive to her because the way she's eating, she says, is not feeling great. But she also has been told that her weight is a problem by some other healthcare providers. And understandably, she is worried because she cares. She cares about her health. So the latter, as in the, the worrying about her weight and the worrying that it's a problem, is actually also the reason why Becky feels unworthy, uninspired, and, and actually kind of disqualified from pursuing things that matter to her. So for instance, she says, my fat body isn't going to be welcome at the gym. I'm, I'm worried I won't be able to keep up and people will think all kinds of things about me. And that's happened to her. And she also kind of feels like it doesn't really matter what I eat because I'm still fat because that's what she's been told is the problem. So it's the fat phobia and the weight stigma that have actually limited her options in a very damn real way. This isn't her fault. So actually working on dismantling those beliefs that she has about food, about weight, about bodies, about health is what is critical to her moving forward, as is having the, the appropriate and compassionate care. Again, none of this is contingent on her weight at all, whether it changes or not. So I want to be really clear in both examples, Supporting access to health-promoting behaviors that these, these Beckys are seeking, that is my focus for their care. I want them to be able to care for themselves in a way that is meaningful to them, accessible to them. And I want them to be able to honor their whole self, their whole life, and draw upon things that naturally appeal to them because she deserves that. Beckys, everyone deserves that. 
And none of this has anything to do with tracking or measuring weight. And and specifically, it has nothing to do with weight loss as a sign that it's working. Instead, we might look at how do you feel? How consistent is this practice in your life? How many other parts of your life now feel supported? You know, like their mental health. And and the thing is, when we bring in the weight-centric lens, the one that says that let's focus on weight as an outcome, let's just you lose five kilos, we'll be so much healthier is what is what we all hear. We actually tend to lose, you know, the factors that actually are the things that make up somebody's well-being. So I'm gonna I'm gonna use myself as an example in a really simplified form here. And please remember this is simplified. So at my smallest weight, which is also coincidentally the only time I have actually fit into the so-called normal BMI range, I had absolutely paralyzing and debilitating mental health concerns. Uh, They were not caused by my body size. I want to be clear, but they also were not helped by, they were related. You know, I was unable to nourish myself or rest or really do much, but hey, look at me go in that normal BMI range. And that's kind of in a nutshell what the weight-centric model does. It's a smaller body at all costs because, you know, isn't that health? And instead, a Hayes approach acknowledges individual circumstances, offers supportive options. It draws upon resources available to someone, unique set of abilities and behaviors that may be of interest to someone so they can be supported as a whole human damn being. So let's move into what Hayes is not. And I think really what's what's so crucial here and so interesting to me is the biggest misunderstanding about Hayes is that it's actually not health at every size. It's it, it, People think it's healthy at every size and it's not. Like not everybody is healthy at every size as in bodies. And that scope of body sizes is huge. But at the same time, no one particular weight or weights are inherently a concern. It's not like we hit a number and that's all of a sudden a concern, but that's the message. So it's health at every size, not healthy at every size. Okay. Clear that out. And and in fact, what Hayes is really about is minimizing the barriers that someone has to health enhancing activities and behaviors. And so barriers are weight stigma, poverty, and racism. They're not someone's behaviors. We we are looking to give someone better access, to support their access to those things if they want them. You know, on social media, folks feel incredibly triggered, like crazy triggered by the idea that a fat person exists and like they really want to make that known, like, oh, don't you know you're fat? And, And literally, I have been asked when talking about this, particularly on TikTok, But how can someone who's 600 pounds be healthy? The yes, they are normally idiot men. Without seeing the point here that it is that exact question, it's that rhetoric, it's that fat phobic, dripping, one-sided debate that actually is the problem. And that's what Hayes is seeking to dismantle. So another misunderstanding about Hayes is that it is actually bad for you. It is going to make you unhealthy. Uh, I mean, first of all, like, no, (laughs) frankly, this is just laughable. It is not backed by any evidence. And it it actually just shows a real lack of knowledge on what health at every size is and likely a fat phobia. I mean, the folks that speak out about this, it's wild to me that they think they have the right when they don't know. 
in recent months, uh, there's been some pretty full-on stuff out of the out of the states. So in the US, they have what's called the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, and they have shown exactly that they do not understand haze, or they don't care to understand haze. Probably both. So they have these new proposed guidelines that people like myself uh, would use. We have similar ones in Australia, right? And in these guidelines, they suggest that haze should not be used by people in my profession to improve quality of life. Don't use them is what they're saying if you want to improve quality of life for people. And that actually we should definitely be focusing on weight loss. But what they showed in their so-called assessment of haze is very, very poor critical thinking and, and scientific review process. I mean, the fact that this was actually an adult weight management like process, right? This was a review conducted by an adult weight management team. Using haze as a so-called intervention doesn't make sense. So haze does not say that weight requires management. Hayes says the opposites. Hayes says weight does not require management and weight loss pursuits are not effective in making fat people thin, nor is the minimal amount of weight that people mostly keep off in the long term sustainable. So it was a, I mean, why you're bringing Hayes into a weight management conversation, it doesn't actually really make sense. But it's also, (laughs) it's really important to note that this study was was funded by really fat phobic monoliths like Weight Watchers, among some others. A haze approach to health is health promoting. And should someone actually want that? Should someone want to pursue those? They are under no obligation. And I've talked about that on the pod before. Pursuing health is not your life's purpose. You are not a better person for doing it. You're not required to do it. That you're listening to this podcast tells me a few things. Maybe you care about untangling your relationship to food and your body, improving your body image. Maybe you're interested in some of the social justice intersections with this, which it all is intersected with. Maybe you're unsure about all of it, but you're kind of trying to dip a toe into the water. Maybe you deeply care about health, but you're trying to redefine what that means to you. So I'll be sure to link to some incredible studies in the notes for this episode so you can see for yourself. You can bring your own critical thinking. Haze is about weight-neutral, ethical healthcare for all bodies, but most specifically ensuring that fat folks are not treated differently like they currently are being. Just today, literally today, as I'm recording this in April 2022, my fat client told me of her very valid fear that, hey, if I'm to get really sick with COVID and go to hospital, how will I be treated? Will they just blame everything on my weight? Haze just has to center the most marginalized bodies or it means shit all. It's kind of along the same lines of we're not free until we all are. And and that brings me to the final part of this, this podcast episode. So the final part of part one, talking about the harm and the shortcomings of Haze because Haze is not perfect. And it really... There's a lot of words about this and I want to be as succinct and as clear as possible because this may be the first time ever that you've heard about haze. Uh, And I think it's important that you know this, no matter what your level of understanding of haze is or isn't, it's important that we talk about shortcomings of things. Nothing is perfect. So it's pretty likely that you have heard about haze 
from someone like me, maybe from me, maybe right now. So a white, thin, cisgender, English-speaking, educated woman. That's also how I found out about Hayes way back in, you know, 2015, 2016, from a thin, white, you know, formally educated, English-speaking woman. And this is all great. This sharing of ideas is great. And Hayes was born of the fat positive movement birthed in the US by fat black women. So let me be so clear. Hayes exists and benefits humans in all bodies. But it exists because of the anti-fatness and stigma against fat bodies. It's, it exists literally because fat humans do not get treated the same as non-fat humans. And specifically right here where we are discussing healthcare. But, but the movement of Hayes has not centered on those bodies. The movement of Hayes has, from what I am hearing over and over, has not always even helped those bodies, you know, and, and how do you know specifically right now, have a think, how do you know about Hayes? How did you learn about Hayes? Who do you think of as leaders in this space of Hayes? What do they have? What don't they have? Are they kind of other folks like me? So those guidelines I talked about a little bit earlier, the uh, Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics guidelines, what's really interesting is they were talking about weight management. Hate that term. (laughs) Go back to that class. They didn't include any fat people at that table about fat bodies. Talking about fat bodies, no fat people were represented. They didn't include intersecting marginalized bodies, you know, black bodies, indigenous bodies, people of color, transgender people, disabled people, those people were not represented, all of whom may also be fat and all of whom are at greater risk of not receiving adequate health care. Their discussions, those guidelines did not include the Hayes community at all, in fact, and yet they were discussing Hayes. But Hayes actually has its own issues in its own community on a pretty damn big scale. So Hayes as a movement, as a community, is hurting the humans that it sets out or it claims to advocate for. So in a space that is for fat people, there are a whole lot of thin people with no fucking idea. I have been and may still be one of those people. That is actually just one part. It's not even the worst part. It's actually that us thin people... I've held power in this space for way too long. And yet our voices are not the ones that matter here. So I am a white, thin, able-bodied, cisgender woman. And I implement the Hayes principles really just profoundly. They have been implemented in my weight-inclusive nutrition practice, the one that financially supports me. I know that I have contributed to the harm of people in the Hayes space by existing because I don't have lived experience as a fat human and my identities, my privileged, my multi-privileged identities mean that it's pretty likely I will keep causing harm. So in the notes for this episode, I've included links to some of the very real harm that occurs within the Hayes community. Again, happening, harm happening to the people, to the humans that Hayes says it advocates for. And this is how I see it. If someone in a marginalized body who your movement is about protecting and advocating for says, hey, guys, folks, people, 
this practice or this policy or this leadership is harming us, you fucking listen to them and we haven't. I believe every single human who has come forward in the past, in this year, in any year, I believe them. And they've come forward at significant personal cost, you know, significant business relationships, connections, social interactions, threats to share their story. And I stand with them. I've also included in the notes for this episode, my own personal steps in contributing to less harm in Hayes spaces, because I care. I care deeply. And I believe that weight neutral care is the way forward for all bodies because all bodies deserve to be treated with dignity and respect and because I want that to not be broken and harmful. So this has been part one of what you need to know about haze. In part two, I'm going to be chatting with a medical doctor uh, who began actually practicing from a haze framework and also from two humans with lived experience of what it's like to receive <laughs> the other end of the, the, the stick what it's like to not receive haze aligned or weight neutral care. So for all of the links, all of the notes, all of the stories from today's exploration of what you need to know about haze part one, head to my website, which is nadiafelsch.com forward slash podcast. Alternatively, you can find a link in your podcast player. Thank you for joining me. See you next time.